some of you may be wondering, where's Pastor Matt? No one? You're totally cool with this? Okay, okay. Well, just in case you are and you don't want to tell me, um, he's not here today. He's away on a business trip. He was sad that he couldn't work out his flights to where he could be here this morning, but that gives me the privilege of being able to speak with you today. And you all know that he doesn't let me do that very often, and I'm not sure when I'll get a chance again. So that being said, I was trying to come up with lots of jokes and stories to get him back. I know, you are all very excited about that. Well, I'm sad to say that for this moment, I'd like to take an opportunity just to tell you how much he loves all of you and how committed to this vision he truly is. It truly is what we talk about 75, 80% of the time. You know, he is dedicated to seeing people's lives here changed. I see it like burning within him. He's a changed man, really. And it just really spoke to me that when God gives you a vision, it really does captivate you. It captivates your heart. It's what we dream about, and that is definitely the case for your pastor. But don't worry, I may still have a story or joke or two before this is over. Just don't tell him. Well, maybe tell him just a little bit. Okay. So this morning, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about new beginnings. You know, this topic has been something that has been very near to us lately. In the past six months, we went through lots of new beginnings, like becoming a family of eight, having our sixth child. So that was definitely a big new beginning for us. Adding a boy, that was another new beginning. It is different, and I know I'm just on the cusp of realizing how different it is. Um, we've changed career paths by going from a campus underneath an established church and going after the vision of that house to God giving us a vision here and becoming an independent church where we do this all on our own. It's a little scary. Um, and we've also moved. We've moved homes, we've moved our city, and we've moved our state. That wasn't really dramatic. I made that 40 minutes sound really dramatic, I know. It felt really dramatic when we were moving. But we read somewhere in an article that the top five most stressful events were in life. Those three were on it, having a baby, moving, changing careers. So I say that just to tell you that, you know, God has really taught me a lot through these new beginnings. And I would just like to have an opportunity to share a little bit of that with you today. So before I get into this, let me pray. But I will warn you. I'm not as animated and loud as Matt. They had to turn up my microphone because I talk a little quieter. I moved this up here so I could kind of hide behind it a little bit. Um, but that's okay. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and that he has something for us all to say. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord God, and I just pray that you know the hearts of everybody in this room and you know what everybody needs. And God, you just use this message in whatever way that you know is fit to touch their lives, to speak something to them. Holy Spirit, I pray that it is your will that is done in this today, and it is not my own, in Jesus' name. Okay, so new beginnings, it comes in many forms. Sometimes they're exciting. Sometimes there's a sadness that comes with new beginnings for what you've lost or what you're leaving behind. Oftentimes, it comes with a nervousness for that unknown road before you. It's scary. Occasionally, it comes with a what have I done moment. I've had lots of those. Um, but what we should realize most of all is our need for Jesus. When we come to a new beginning, we don't, we don't know really what it looks like, where we're going, what we need. And so it's in those moments that we need his guidance because he knows the beginning from the end. We need him to strengthen and equip us to carry that load. There's going to be new um, equipment and gifts that we're going to need to walk out that path. And so we need him um, for that. We also need him to give us a boldness to move forward in an increased faith, to take those scary steps. And we need his wisdom 
I know I do, not to mess it all up along the way. Hebrews 13.21 says that he equips us to do every good thing, or he equips us with every good thing to do his will. And another translation says that he makes us complete. That's what we want. If I'm going to start out and embark on something new, I want everything I need. I don't want to get halfway down there and realize that I don't have what it takes. And Jesus is where we go to get that. In Isaiah 42.9, I think we have that scripture. Good. It says, see the former things that have taken place, and I am announcing the new thing before they spring forth into being, I am telling you. This is God telling us that he wants to give us guidance. He wants to tell us that path that we're about to embark on. In Isaiah 48.6, another scripture says, you have heard, see all this, and will you not declare it? I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, did you not know them? He's telling us he doesn't want this to be a secret. He wants to guide us along the way, and he wants to be in relationship with us as we do it. Jeremiah 29.11, one more scripture here, says, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and to give you a future and a hope. Sometimes we can believe the lie, and it really is a lie, that God wants to take us on this new path to punish us or to... Um, teach us a lesson like in a bad way and that's just not the case god takes us on things to give us our future he brings us into new places to give us a hope and it's always plans <clears throat> excuse me to prosper us um god has a vision and a plan for our lives for my life and for your life and he has a vision for this church he says that he will reveal it to us and he desires to guide us through these new chapters of our life all the way to the end He's not going to say, hey, it's over there, and then go, go find it. He's going to walk with us every step of the way down our new beginnings. The next scripture I want to read to you is Isaiah 43, 19. And this is where this message really began for me. So let's take a look at it here. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not recognize it? Often when God's doing a new thing, before we even see anything that really happens, we start to feel it. Have any of you experienced that? You feel something's coming, but you really have no idea what it is. It's that moment, that time, that we should be seeking God, that we should be leaning on him for guidance. Because when things start to happen, that's the platform that we're going to spring forth from. And we want it to be the best platform it can. We want to be already set in the right direction. The last part of that scripture says that I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, when I read this, I got this picture because God speaks to me in pictures and I love it. It was something like a Grand Canyon and it was massive walls of solid rock, really high, and the walls were seemingly impenetrable. And if you're standing on the top of that, it's desert. And so if you can try to picture this, uncharted territory, desert land, nothing out there, it's scary exciting but it's unknown but if you look down you see this perfectly carved path and a river full of life running through it and as I saw that the word carve stuck out to me and so I looked up its definition to carve means to cut a hard material in order to produce an aesthetically pleasing object or design or to sculpt wow I believe God is carving out a path for us that is aesthetically pleasing to the world around us. Does that sound familiar? Maybe like the word relevant that Matt keeps talking about? 
That's what I heard. God wants to make us relevant to the world around us. Why? So he can draw people to us. And it's amazing, you know, I have six little kids, and that's, there's a lot of challenges that come with those six little kids. But one of the things he's really shown me lately is how many people are drawn to me because of that. I have people all the time coming up and asking me, are these all yours? <laughs> yeah. And often they say, you are too young to have six kids. I say, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I get questions like, all girls? And so it's like, well, there's a boy in the car seat. He's covered up. I know we should show him off more so everybody knows. Um, we get questions like, are you all done yet? Are you going to have more? And just in case you're wondering, yes, we're all done. No, we're not having any more. And yes, I'm sure. That's usually the way it goes. Um, occasionally, which this is kind of funny, I get, are you Catholic? And at first I was like, I'm a Catholic. But then I started to realize that a lot of people who are Catholic, they have lots of babies. So I'll tell you a funny story. We were walking through a grocery store. And this isn't about Matt, so you know, you'll have to hold on just a little longer for that. And we were trying to corral all of our kids and keep them not walking out in front of other people with their carts. It's constantly out of the way. I'm so sorry. Come over here. I'm so sorry. Um, and there was a priest, a young priest, who was walking through and he was doing his grocery shopping. And he looks up and he sees us. And all of a sudden, his face lights up, and you see this look of approval on his face, and he says hi to us, and he's talking, and I wanted to be like, we're really not Catholic, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, he was very sweet and very kind. I told him, see, everybody thinks that we are. Um, but God really wants to use our carved paths to draw people to us. He wants to do that to open the door to show his love. And I get the opportunity to do that because of my six kids at, at times, actually a lot of times. I get to show respect to people. I get to listen. Well, I get to mostly listen while I'm tending to them, you know. Sometimes I don't listen so well, but they, they understand. Um, but often it opens up the door for me to talk about God, talk about his goodness, talk about who he is, you know, why I have six kids. It's because of him. Why I am not insane. It's because of him. Um, it really is. And for a church to be really effective in this way, to be able to draw people, it must first happen in each individual. Each of us has to allow God to sculpt our life. We each have to decide to walk out that carved path to be relevant to the world around us. Because the church is only as effective as the collective whole. For each person who's called here to be a part, your part matters. Your part makes a huge difference in how far this vision will go. So I want to ask you this question. Will you? Will you let God carve you and sculpt you and carve your path? Will you trust him? That's a question that I have to ask myself, that we all have to ask ourselves. But guess what? Not just once. We have to ask ourselves this often because you can't become something great and then say, hey, 15 years ago, because you know what? Needs have changed. Times have changed. The community has changed. This is something that we have to do often for God to continue to sculpt us. The last part of that verse says that he will make rivers in the desert. And I want you to take notice that it says rivers. And for any of you that, that know the Bible well, you know that rivers signify abundance and more than enough. And so when God says rivers, he doesn't mean, you know, just a little bit. He means more than enough. I believe that God wants to supply 
all of our needs abundantly here in this church and in each individual family. Oftentimes we think of finances first. And while I do believe that, if he's going to call you to a calling, he's going to supply the financial needs you need for that. But I also know that he means faith. He means influence. He means love to do his will, to carry it out. Those are things that we desperately need him to supply abundantly if we're going to reach our community. Now, where rivers mean abundance, desert typically means dryness. And he uses these extremes to show that nothing can hinder the rivers of God in the life of someone if we allow them to. There's no place that's too dry. There's no part of this community that is unreachable. God can do anything. He can heal anyone. He can reach anybody if we'll allow him to. We need the rivers of life to breathe into our land. In Exodus 17:6. It says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And this is what I felt that God spoke. I'm going to read it to you. This city in many ways has been in a wilderness. It has been so thirsty and dry-mouthed. The church in general has lost her voice because of lack of drink. We have been allowed to walk in the wilderness because we have turned from our first love, but we've been crying out from our place of emptiness. We have been seeking God because of our thirst, and he wants to strike the rock so that the rivers of his spirit may flow to quench the thirst. He wants to use this church here, but many around the country who are thirsty and hungry for God to bring his refreshing spirit. He wants to wet our throats again and fill us so that when he renews our voice to speak, it's words of truth and life with conviction and with love. In Numbers, that same story, it says that when Moses struck the rock, that the congregation and their animals drank. When the Spirit of God flows, it doesn't just flow into me, and then everything else is the same, and nothing much else has changed. When the rivers of God flows, that abundance, it changes everything. It changes the land. It changes the animals. It changes our community. That means the crops grow better. The market is up. Sickness is rare. Depression has lost its hold, and darkness is pushed back. And we have been crying out for that, and I believe that's exactly what God wants to do. One of the keys to our voice-making impact, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, tells us that we can do all sorts of good things. We can have money to do this. We can fix that. We can meet people's needs. But if it's without love, that it's nothing. Wow. Like, we can go out and we can do all kinds of outreach projects, but if it's without love, it really means nothing. That's right. But you know what else it says? It says that love never fails. Love never fails. That's powerful. And this is where I want to spend the last few minutes before I close on love. I know Matt had told you, if you were here last week, that that's something, the whole vision I'm passionate about, but this is kind of like my sweet spot. But before I do, I want to tell you a story about Matt. She kind of like break it up a little bit here. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Matt came up to me and said that he was going to take me on a day date, which if you don't know, it's a date during the day. Um, we don't have many night dates very often, so day dates are what we do. And so he told me to go ahead and get a sitter. And I was so excited because my love language is like quality time and conversation. So poor guy, he's just got to put in the time. That's what he's got to do. So this date, I was so excited. He was going to take me and he was going to get my tattoo. 
Now, I'm a big baby, and so I've been putting it off, but he was going to get my tattoo, and I'm excited. And so I have this vision of this long breakfast, lots of conversation, drive to the tattoo shop, get my little tattoo. He helps me get through it. Then we go and do some chores, have some lunch, go back home. Well, Lisa's not in here, but she would know that that is not how it happened. So we were late, which we're often late. Um, and so the breakfast was rushed, but it was good. We did have lots of conversations, and we rush off to the tattoo shop. And I have to take care of the baby, because he still goes with me everywhere I go. And so I have to take care of the baby. And so he was like, well, you go ahead and you take care of the baby. And then I'll go ahead and just drop the picture for my tattoo. You know, we'll get working on it. It's like, OK, you know, that's fine. You can drop the picture for your tattoo. I'll take care of the baby, and then I'll get mine, and then we'll go. Um, so anyway, draws up the picture, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and it's taking a while, taking a while, and then all of a sudden, it's time to take care of the baby again. Yeah, take care of the baby again, it's been that long. And so anyway, he's like, well, I'll go ahead and get started on mine, and you choose the font for your tattoo. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll choose the font for my tattoo, no big deal. Okay, so I'm waiting, I'm doing it, and then he's going, he's like, well, when, when we're at a breaking point, then we'll go ahead and we'll do yours. Well, honestly, by this point, that needle has scared me. All my fears have rose back up. I am not getting this tattoo at this point. So I'm like, you know what? We needed to go shopping. I'm just going to go ahead and grab the groceries real quick, come back, pick you up, and then we'll finish our date. Um, so anyway, well, that's not the way it happened either. And I'll just say, to shorten the story, by 4 o'clock, he's like, are you ready for your tattoo? I said, no. <laughs> what kind of date was that? And so we left. Anyway, so I had to give you something to give Matt lots of trouble about before when he comes back next week, so be sure to ask him about his tattoo and tell him you owe her a date. <laughs> so anyway, back to love. Love, this is, like I said, one of the things that I'm super passionate about. And I'm so passionate about it because we get to love people right here, right where they are, right in the midst of their brokenness. You know, I'm passionate about that because I remember when I was in a place where I didn't feel very love-worthy where I knew God well enough to know I was messing it all up, but I didn't know him well enough to know that he still loved me anyway, and he wanted a relationship with me anyway, before I changed anything. And so when people were, showed me that love, like I hope to do to many people here in this community, it gave me enough confidence to allow God to start to heal my identity issue. And that was powerful. It changed my life. Love that is genuine and deep more than courteousness, breaks down walls in people. I remember that after I finally started allowing God to change me, I began praying for God to give me a love like that, to help me see people through his eyes. And I believe that this is the key to successfully walking out this vision. I think it first starts with seeing people the way God sees them. That's the only way we can meet a need, is if we know truly what the need is. And only God can show us what those needs are. We have to see past the sin to the wounds. And we have to see past the walls, the defensive walls, to the insecurity that's really inside there. We have to see past the guilt and shame that hang on so many people to the beautiful creation that God has inside. What I believe is we have to be able to see the purposes of God on those who don't yet see it on themselves. And I think that's powerful. As I allow God to change me, it gave me the confidence to be able to deal with, for him to deal with my problem, my identity problem. And because of that, I was able to reach out to others. Do you see a pattern here? If I allow God to change me, and then I reach out, and then they allow God to change them, and then they reach out, this is community impact. This is how the community has changed. We're not all going to do it right here. We have to just be, reach the people we're called to reach. 
So as I wrap up here, I want to tell you that when God gives a vision for a body, like he has with this one here, he's also given one to each individual. Each individual that's called to be a part of that body has a vision. And it's an independent, individual vision, but it's a supporting vision. It's a vision that with it comes all the healing, all the freedom, all the equipment that you need to carry out that vision. You just have to seek God for it. You have access to everything you need to do all that God has called you to do. But you have to seek him for it. I believe this is how we'll help many people who desperately need a new beginning, a new beginning with their creator, a new beginning with their loving father. This is how we'll reach it. By first showing the love like Jesus did, like he did to the woman at the well, who she had seven husbands, she was living with someone who wasn't her husband, but God used her to reach her city. Or how about the woman with the issue of blood? The, the, the community had ostracized her. She'd been that way for 12 years, but he had compassion on her and he healed her. Or how about the adulteress who was about to be stoned? And that was the law, the God-given law. But what did Jesus do? He had compassion and he forgave her of her sins. Maybe many of you are at a new beginning right now. Maybe many of you can relate to that. You're, you're there at that new beginning. Or maybe you've been holding on to a season, an old season, a little too long, and you're ready for a new beginning. Or possibly you're already in a new beginning. You're down that road a little ways, and you're like, oh, I'm off track. I need Jesus to come, and I need him to get me back on track. Do you know he wants to? He wants to. He wants to walk that way with you. You're never too far away to get back on track. You never have done too much to not be used by God, and he wants to use you.